Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. <laughs> the risk has been taken. <laughs> if I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. Okay. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. So. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only... Yes, welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but, and it's a big but, this is a brand new episode if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, December 20, that's not right, Saturday, December 28th, 2019 at dnrstudios.com, the only place you can hear this podcast around the week when it If you listen elsewhere, leave us your ratings, your reviews, your love, and uh, anything else on whichever audio platform you use to listen, email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. Please like the Facebook page and interact with it. For God's sake, download my two comedy albums. They're available everywhere. And come see me, me, live in Oakland, California. I'll be the celebrity MC of Elder Pride 2020, February 13th through 16th. Uh, visit the Elder Pride Facebook page for more information and tickets. Our guest today is A. Ashley Hoff. He is the author of a new book called Match Game 101, A Backstage History of Match Game, which is uh, everything you ever wanted to know about the classic game show. I'm excited about this, but first we're going to talk to our co-host who just took a huge bite of bagel and shoved it in his piggy little mouth. Please welcome mm. Ryan Frostig, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. <laughs> nothing, How's that bagel, Ryan? Nothing more sexy than... Chewing into a microphone. Ryan is eating his customary everything bagel with scallion lox cream cheese. I noticed um, that you did not get the pumpernickel everything. Well, you have and to. And you know what? That's okay. You have to specify. The pumpernickel everything bagels at Liberty. Oh, are shut trash. the fuck up with you. And They're your... pumpernickels. They're fake pumpernickel bagels. You're an asshole. I love the pumpernickel and the pumpernickel everything. You introduced you. me to that. And yeah, it's sickening. Liberty bagels are the best bagels in New York. Wrong. And that's all there is to it. They're they're pretty good. They're serviceable. You're welcome to pay for the bagels yourself I do. and go to Sometimes. your coffee and bagel bullshit place. Um, Ryan and JB, I assume you're both too young to really appreciate what Match Game was. Yeah, I know of it, yeah. but I, I didn't really. I also know of it, but it was ending by the time I started getting to TV. So there have been a, there's, there've been a number of incarnations mm -hmm. of the show, which we'll talk to A. Ashley Hoff about. But the classic match game was in the early to mid-70s. And it was the show that whenever I was homesick from school, 
that's the show I would most look forward to watching. It was so fucking campy. It had these like B-list and C-list celebrities. And if, of course, young people like you guys, if you know the show at all, you know it because of Snatch Game. Right, right. Which, which is a parody of Match Game. And, and RuPaul was obviously a huge fan of the show. So we'll be talking uh, about all things Match Game with Ashley. He really has written like an encyclopedia of the show. Um, encyclopedia Brown. Exactly. <laughs> This is also the last ass of oh 2019. <gasps> what dun, a dun, year dun. it has been. And I feel like people aren't excited enough about the fact that we're about to flip a decade. I'm, I'm excited. And also 2020 is, you know, the year of clarity. 2020 vision. You oh, know, it's I like, love that. It's really, it's a, it's a huge year. It also I feels, hate you for that. Well, <laughs> it also feels like the first year that feels very, um, like futuristic like we're in the like 2020 you know it's, it's funny that you say that because that's how we felt about 1980 i know i, I remember know. when 1980 happened we were like oh my god the 70s are over everything now is like robots right like we really felt that and and it was reflected in the the dress the makeup the the mtv video you know mtv yeah hit. i mean y2k they thought was like right everything. how old were you in 19 uh well let me say let me ask this how old were you in 2000 um, I was 10. So that's what's fucked up, is that you were a child. I know. You both were children when the last decade flipped, and now but you're that was like, like full-on adult. But that the was the new decade. millennium. That was, that, I was, I'm so happy to have been alive for that, because that was, that was more than just the new decade. That was the new millennium. Yeah. You know? oh, last decade was more like, it felt like more like a, dude, a dude's day thing. Everyone would say, oh, yeah. 2000 is going to be the end of the year. Things are crash." All the cartoons I was watching was all pre- prediction of that. And now no one's saying any of that. So I feel like I've... And I, now the world really is ending. Yeah. I mean, for real. 2012, it was supposed to end. Remember the Mayans? <laughs> yeah. Those, well, the Mayans are the most basic bitches of all time. Let's all pray for a, uh, a, a happy, healthy year. I would love for Donald Trump to leave office one way or the other. Yeah. I don't care how it happens. It just has to. I'm slightly praying for an apocalypse. Oh, <sighs> I don't want an apocalypse. That sounds like just, a lot of work. I just want a reset button. <laughs> If there is an apocalypse, fine, but let's make sure it's fast yeah, and painless. I don't, want, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer at all. We've suffered enough. Anyway, because it's the end of the year, uh, we're going to be doing stories. Some of these have been hanging around for months. They they, they build up in around. my folder. Um, but this is a fairly new one, and I think it's an important story, and it's about Grindr. I'm familiar. <laughs> Go on. Grindr has announced some new features that will allow you to unsend mm messages and photos that you've sent people in the past this is really important yes if you you know think that you're into someone and then later they turn out to be a creeper or a stalker or a fake profile or whatever you can delete the shit that you've sent them now i assume if they've saved it on their phone yeah in, or in some other medium it's uh, too late it's too late but if it's in their grinder account uh it can be removed it's a similar feature to Snapchat, which notifies the recipient when their photo has been snapped. Uh, oh, I see. I see. Listen to this. Uh, another measure they're implementing prevents users from using their screenshot feature on photo profiles and messages. This will attribute a level of safety to the location of users in countries where being LGBTQ is illegal or dangerous. Although it will also prevent the sharing of dick pics to the... Uh, I think it's supposed to say also it will prevent the sharing of dick pics to group chat. 
That's a feature similar to Snapchat, which notifies the recipients when their photo has been snapped on the camera roll. Yeah, Instagram does that too. Okay, so what about memes? Like, I send a lot of memes through Grindr, and some people send me funny memes back. I screenshot them because, you know, you pass around memes. I mean, that's so okay, but they'll be notified that you're screenshotting. Yeah. You well, should be able to um, save them. Like, like a meme, like, if uh, you should be able to just save, you shouldn't need to. The things that are, like, fleeting, like, on Instagram, they're on the, um, in DM, when someone sends you, like, a fleeting image, that obviously disappears. So if you screenshot that, you know, it's different than saving. Well, Grindr has also released something they're calling the Holistic Safety Guide, which is huh. essentially a manual. Holistic. <laughs> Hull. Hull. Uh, it's a safety guide for users. It includes things like avoid excessive drug and alcohol intake. Ryan, JB. Take care of your mind and body. Let a friend know where you're meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are in LGBTQ unsafe places are advised to hide their locations. Uh, secure their ca- their grinder and or camera roll with a pin. And avoid browsing online using a uh, Wi-Fi hotspot. So these are all good ideas. Yeah, Grinder is still uh, a potentially dangerous place. There are gay men all the time who get beaten, robbed, murdered, etc. Um, but through Grinder and Scruff and other hookup apps, there's because also, they think they're meeting up for dick, but they're really just meeting up to get fucked with. And there's also so many um, bot accounts now. Like I'm sure they're just there's so many bots and there's so many um, sugar daddies that are looking for uh, sugar babies, and they they send these like. Big, long paragraphs, and it's just, yeah. Do you want to be a sugar baby? No, I don't. I want to work hard for my money. <laughs> That's a lie. Fuck that. I want to be a sugar baby. I just want to <laughs> sit on my fat ass, Thank you. call you cute, and you pay me an allowance. <laughs> exactly. Like, how dare you? I don't want to work anymore. I just want to be a housewife, okay? All sit I on am my own toilet and just shit. a housewife. <laughs> just a housewife. <laughs> Nothing less. Um, you know, there are a lot of things I don't do anymore that I used to, and the only one that I really never miss is the apps. I never miss those fucking apps. My yeah. life is so much better without them. I- I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, try going for a week or a month without grinding. It is or nice scruff. to take a break. I think you will find yourself well, much happier. I've taken a JB break. has not had intercourse since September, and oh, he's no. been off the apps since then. And it has been nice and quiet. Has there been a lot of that going on, of JB? Of course, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, Good for you, though. Good for you. Yeah. Save it up. Take some JB time. Of course. JB time all the time. All the time. Meanwhile, uh, history was made this past month when the first openly lesbian Miss Universe cont- contestant competed. Yes, queen! She's 25-year-old Suizen... Oh, I can't even try this. H-T-E-T. How would you pronounce that? Hetet. Her, her whole name is like H T E T S W E is her first name. Z I N is her middle name. H T E T is her last name. But anyway, here's what's amazing: not just that she's openly gay in the Miss Universe pageant, but she comes from Myanmar. Myanmar is not a progressive place. It's a place where gay sex still remains criminalized. Uh, but that didn't stop from competing in the Miss Universe pageant. Uh, or from coming out in an interview just before flying to Atlanta for the show. She said, I want, to, I want the world to accept the LGBTQ plus community and their right to choose their own path and pursuit of happiness. Um, we should always have the freedom of choice and promote equality. Her, Af- uh, 
she, uh, she affirmed her revelation on an Instagram post which showed her posing with another woman along with the caption, proud. So thank you and congratulations to Miss Myanmar. Congrats. Congratulations. Congratulations, honey. And she's, yes, she's gorgeous. As, yeah. You know, you would expect one in the Miss Universe what, pageant diva? to be. Yeah, she's definitely definitely a lipstick lens. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Lovely Uh, gal. This is an article that came out back in November, and I've been saving it for a rainy day, Mm. even though it's not rainy. No rain, not in the sky, but... This came from Gay Cities, and it made me think of both of you, because the headline is 30 Things Every Gay Man Must Do Before Turning 30. Okay. I'm 29, though. I know. I'm 28. Sorry, I know. We, we got no. You have a whole nother year. Sorry, too late. When's your when do you turn 30, JB? Oh, not for the three years. I was fucking around. I'm oh. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So what I want to know is how many of these you guys have actually okay, accomplished. So we're gonna okay, go okay. through them. Uh, make friends with someone you haven't slept with. Yes. Done that. All the straight men. Get over an ex who hurt you. Yes. No, I did I that. Done that. Oh, JB. <laughs> I'm still angry. Watch the movie Showgirls. Yes, of no. course. You haven't, JB. Well, let me let me Google Showgirls. In fairness, faster. I've That's only a seen it. Classic. I've only seen it like once or twice. I'm not like a. a show I don't girls. love Showgirls yeah, as yeah, much as everyone else. There are other like gay canon movies I that like are much more important it, to me. But it's it is ridiculous. Yeah, I watch all the E and outs. Does that count? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Next. Um, clear out your. I know Ryan's going to say yes to this one. Clear out your closet. Turning 30 is a great time yeah. to purge your wardrobe. I just said that. Kiss the jeans you wore in college goodbye because nobody wears true religions anymore. Well, you still fit. The graphic tees also need to go. And if the words Abercrombie and Fitch or That's... American Eagle appear anywhere, uh, please see that it is swiftly discarded. Ryan That's is, to you. Ryan is shaming me because – I save everything. Yeah. My Air Pastel shirts still fit me. Me, that's what I think. Yeah, if uh, it makes me my butt or my or my body look good in any way, I'm keeping it. Exactly. What else? To. Evaluate your safe your safe sex practices. And first of all, I'm a nerd. <sighs> I wear that's all I wear is graphic tees. How dare you shame me for wearing graphic tees? It's not you. me, it's gay cities. <sighs> um uh yeah, still being a dirty, filthy piggy whore. So that's okay, but the question is, have you been tested for HIV recently? Yes. yes. Screened for other STDs? Always. Yes. Have you considered going on PrEP? I am on PrEP. I have HIV medication. So there Great. you go. So you guys are, are doing this. Good. Um, 25 is right up Ryan's alley. Quit smoking. Like yes. for real this time. And it's been a year. So great. It has been one year since so I've had a cigarette. Well, I'm truly oh, proud of it. That should be what you're most proud of. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm most proud of. JB, for sure. Cigarettes are the devil. I never smoke them. Good for you. I don't smoke anymore either. Um, 24. uh, This one, uh, Ryan's good with this. I don't know how JB is. Learn how to hold your alcohol. Uh, Yes. Blacking out and or puking from too much booze is never cute. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's never, never cute. No, yeah. Drink no more than one beverage every two hours, alternating with a tall glass of water. I have to say, I've, I've partied with Ryan on many occasions. I've never seen you messy drunk. No. I don't get messy drunk. It's just I'm just a tank. I don't know. It's so weird. I um, eat a whole loaf of. I do the Mindy. I do the Mindy thing. I eat a whole loaf of bread, <laughs> and then I'm good. Then you're the good. <laughs> Number twenty three is something I still do. Oh God! <laughs> stop drunk. Stop drunk texting your fuck buddies. Um. All my fuck buddies are out of state. We're fuck boys. So I kicked them out of my phone. Good for you. I, I don't talk to them. Anymore, I, don't, so. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Some. Uh, yeah. Actually, I have this wrong. It's not fuck buddies. It's 
just friends, I think. Nobody wants to be woken up by their alcoholic friend when oh. they have an 8.30 conference call in no, the morning. No, 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 no. I do not do that. I do not do that, and I do not uh, engage with any people, anyone that does that. First off, you know what my phone is doing when I'm drunk? It's playing music very, very loudly to my neighbors are hearing this at one o'clock in the morning like okay that's like something you do when you're like like 20 like 21 i tell people you can text me in the middle of the night if you want my phone will be off yeah exactly i turn off everything so you can text me whenever but don't expect me to be up yeah uh number 22 put see share in concert oh i would really love to do that me too i'm I'm gonna be fucking 50 and i haven't done that that's ridiculous she's been famous my whole life share tickets are also expensive too I almost was going to. Do you know that once, Ryan, before I knew you, mm-hmm. when I worked for Edison, mm-hmm. um, we had uh, employees could win a lottery and get box seats at the uh, at NJ Pack. Mm-hmm. And Cher was performing, and I went to my boss and I said, "I've never asked you to do this, but can you oh please God. fix it so that I win the lottery?" <laughs> and she said, "Yes." Uh, and I got tickets for four, and it was going to be like me, Scott, Pat, Jeff. Yeah. We had a date. We were ready, oh and then Cher. Fucking got some virus and canceled the entire tour. Oh Whoa. my god! I was devastated. That is like the worst thing to happen in your whole you game. I know. Contest. It just came back to me. I forgot about that. That's terrible. Number twenty-one is cut the drama. Yeah, life it's... does not have to be a soap opera. Hashtag what is drama in my life? I I don't have drama. I. I don't have drama. I think the drama is just like within. It's like I'm I am the drama, but I, I'm not causing. It's not like I'm like fighting with people. No, neither like, of you. I mean, JB's not even on Facebook, but <laughs> but if he were, like, neither of you is the kind of person who would post like the police just left on Facebook oh, no, no, and no. then make everyone panic oh God, and wonder what's going on with you all the time for my apartment. Like, I have this one crazy lady. <laughs> Who lives right right behind me, and she calls the cops on all the gay people around her. Say, "Oh, he hits me. Oh, this person beats me." While no one fucks with her. This Good is why Lord. I don't step out of my apartment. Uh, this is why I don't meet my neighbors because they're goddamn crazy. You need to move, honey. I do. Okay, number twenty. Date an older guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I stand by that, that rule fiercely. Nineteen. Register to vote and actually cast your ballot. Yeah. Yes, and you know that Good. to me is like. You don't have to be – I feel like we live in a world where it's there's so much pressure to be, like, such a political, um, like, aficionado. Like, uh, What's that word? Aficionado. But there's another word that's like a – well, now I just – Activist? Okay. <laughs> as long as you are registered to vote and you are exercising your, ro- your, your right, then you are um, – I think you're doing all right. Absolutely. My problem with the last the last election was I was going through homelessness and depression at the time, so I didn't really care. That's a um, really good excuse. Yeah, I yeah. didn't really care about Hillary or Trump. And then now that I fixed myself, it's like, oh, well, now I'm in this shit. So, but also, JB, it. in New York, it matters less that we vote because New York's always going to go blue. Yeah. I mean, we should still vote. But, yeah. but <laughs> especially for the presidency, we don't have to worry. Uh, okay. Uh, pay down your credit card debt. I do that. I, I'm actually really good at doing that. That's new. Yeah. We're not going to talk about this. Okay. Like, I, don't, I, know, I know people that, like, have taken out several credit cards. Like, people my age, people who our age, who are, aren't even 30 that have, like, several credit cards worth of debt. I only have one credit card, and I try worth to pay it off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell, no, no. tell my young listeners what I, what I told Ryan a couple years back. And you can listen to this too, JB. 
The only debt that any of you should be carrying is your student loan. Yes. Student loans have a very low interest rate. So take your time, make your payments, but that one you can spend the rest of your life paying off. But the credit card companies are charging you 13%, 15%, 19% annual fees. You are throwing money down the toilet by carrying a balance. So do whatever it takes to pay off those goddamn credit cards and use credit cards for convenience only. Do not use them for credit. End of sermon. Uh, The end. The end. Number 17, learn to cook. Yeah. Yeah, I already know how to cook. I'd like to. I'd like to learn how to cook um, more things. Number sixteen. Stay at a clothing optional resort. I have done that. You certainly did. I don't travel. (laughs) I mean, you could go to the one in the Poconos. It's really close. It's like an hour away. Or even like, um, would you? Would you be naked in public, JB? Is that something you'd be comfortable with? No, no. I have so much anxiety already. Just by thinking of it, I think it might be liberating. It for really, you. I know, I know what you're thinking. I know why you feel that way, but it is really, truly liberating to to be fully in the nude. Try it. You don't even have to go. There's it's places all in the city. Body, it's all I different body a, types, all different ages. Be, be naked in my own apartment. What makes you think I would be naked? Ugh, for I love other being people? naked. Well, in my maybe apartment. that's you know, in the new in the new decade, you can like maybe explore that. <laughs> Number fifteen. Open a retirement account. Uh, well, now that I'm a, a corporate hooker, yeah, um, I have one, and I just looked at it, and it's already like a lot. It built more. up. It built up yeah, really if, quickly. If you have a job that, I mean, this isn't something most people can do on their own. If you have a job yeah. where they offer you a 401k, yes, contribute the maximum. In other words, I listen if, to you. If they say to you, that. "Oh, you can contribute up to 10 percent of your salary," do it. They will match it. It's free fucking money, and I it think does add up 12. quickly. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, get rid of all of <laughs> get rid of all of your crap from IKEA. Okay, I don't have no idea so that. this is actually really funny because I've had the same IKEA bookshelf for probably five years. It is falling apart. It is it is going to collapse any day now, and I'm terrified. I have a lot of books in there, and I just cleared it get out, it. but it is gonna it is gonna collapse. So get I have rid to of that bookshelf. You need a new shelf. I have a, a chest of drawers from Ikea that my tenants left. When I moved to San Diego, I had tenants living there. And, you know, they, it does the job. I see, I don't care about what's in my bedroom because no one sees it but me and the occasional trick. The trickery. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm just this seeing where we are on time. Um, date someone who's not your type. All yeah. of my past boyfriends. <laughs> well, I don't. Ryan is, Ryan is literally dating his identical twin right well, now. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I only date my type, but I have sex with just about everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, number twelve is something that I'm so embarrassed I haven't done. Read "The City and the Pillar" by Gore Vidal. I'm actually a huge Gore Vidal fan. I, you've I, never read it. I've never read it. I mean, not like I have. Well, yeah. Like, what are you talking? No, about? No, but you've read. You've read everything. You know. You I know, know all the things. It's a. It's a gay classic published in 1948. Gore Vidal. If you don't know who he is, he was fascinating. His first name is like Al Gore. They're actually related. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just an amazing character and one of the only openly gay people in the world in the 1940s uh, and lived until, you know, the 2010s. I feel like my book of, of uh, someone like that would be Eli Harris. He was a gay black author who wrote about um, his experience in books between it was all is all based on black people, which was great because I'm. 
Wait, what? What's his name? Elon Harris. Oh, Elon Harris. Harris. I I love Elon Harris, yeah. but he's still around. Yeah, he is. I haven't. He hasn't written anything in a while. But he, I I love his books. He he. That Sorry. one book where Vanessa Williams. Sometimes the snow comes out in June. That song plays a big part in the book. I read that when I was right out of college. But yeah, Elon Harris, James Baldwin, another uh, amazing Baldwin, yeah. gay black man at a time when it was not popular to be either of those things. But yeah, Gore Vidal's is sitting in the pillar. Number 11, except that, oh, this is so important, except that some people are just assholes and nothing will ever change that. I already accept that. I did accept that. Good. I, my mother's an asshole. Like, there's nothing I could do about that. Oh, poor Mrs. JB. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. I, I, I think that you just, um, as you get older, you just learn that you can't change, you know, you, you can only be in control of what you do and what you say and your actions and other people, they can just go fuck themselves. I Absolutely. Um, explore a sexual fetish. Uh, yeah, I've done that. And I'm, uh, yeah, 2020 I, is going to be the year of the vagina the for Ryan. The year of the puss. I feel, and but the thing is, is that I feel so weird. Like, uh, I don't want to fetishize uh, anyone. Uh, um, uh, all right. Uh, uh, Oh, this cake is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Irene Bremis' that, fake orgasm. Oh so good. Bravo, For, for a moment, I forgot I that it was her. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, no, nothing. That went on for too long. Um, okay. Stop saying I hate kids. <laughs> if you don't like kids, don't have them. But declaring your animus toward an innocent minority group that has done absolutely, first of all, kids are not a minority group, <laughs> that have done nothing to you makes you seem like a real asshole. And anyway, it's probably not the kids that you hate, it's their parents. No, it's the goddamn kids. I've I raised my sisters, and I don't like goddamn kids. Okay, they shit everywhere, they don't do anything. Like when giraffe have babies, giraffe, they come out walking, they come out doing something. When we come out the womb, we, we are nothing. We are helpless for about a year and a half. Babies are useless. JB is available to uh, perform at children's I'm parties more, and babysit. I think that um, like like four or five, six year olds are like really psychotic. Yeah, like, but you don't hate. Them. I don't hate them. I just I feel uh, um, afraid of them. At the same time, this article says, "Stop referring to guys over forty as old trolls on your grinder profile." <laughs> a fucking men. I never done that. I'm well, not, I'm not a white guy. I'm not a really hot white guy. That's who. That's who do. That's who do it. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> That's who does it. Uh, yes, Ryan? I mean, whatever. Gain, gain some selfie control. Unabashed narcissism is excusable when you're still in your 20s, but by the time you've reached your third decade, it stops being charming. Sure, going surely you have enough pictures of yourself by now. Listen, <laughs> my fans demand an occasional selfie. I don't do, do as nearly as many as I used to. Uh, we're going to run through the last ones because we're running out of time. I know. Indulge in luxurious bedding. Have coffee with an ex-boyfriend. Quit comparing yourself to others. None of my ex-boyfriends wouldn't have coffee with me no, or no. they ran away. Quit comparing yourself to others. Wear sunscreen even on your butt. This mm. one doesn't apply to JB. Stop complaining about the things that everyone else deals with too. Bottom. Yes. At least once. But More than once. Uh, and finally, the number one thing every gay man should do before he turns 30 is stop freaking out about turning 30. Yeah, honestly, I am so excited to turn 30. And especially because this past year, things sort of like clicked for me. I feel like I'm going to go into my 30s fully thriving. 30, 
and thriving hunty. So I'm ready. I have one more year, but um, I'm so ready for you to be in your 30s. You just want me to be old, well, but I'll never be as old as you. It's a little embarrassing to me that one of my closest friends is like in his 20s. Okay, well, we don't have to. <laughs> it's not your friends. fault. It's just it's like, not my fault. I'm just young, and I never thought I was going to be that like old guy that hangs around with younger guys. Well, here you are, sweetie. Welcome. The problem is every it's year real. I get older and the younger guys stay the same. I know, but <laughs> but you've you it like because you met me when I was twenty five, so you've seen me. You're like watching me grow up. You're you were like very a eyes. baby then. I know, and now you're like a preteen. A preteen. <laughs> you're a tween. I'm a tween. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do two more quickies, and then we're gonna uh, introduce our guest. First of all, I don't know if either of you guys know who Jason Ellis is. I know who he is, believe it or not. He's an MM, a former MMA fighter, but I know him because he has his own show on SiriusXM, and he's frequently a guest on the Howard Stern Show. Some people talk about him as a possible replacement if Howard ever retires. Mm-hmm. He's this really jacked, tattooed, bald... Um, I think he was a professional skateboarder as well as an MMA fighter. Just a real, like, an alpha male. And he has said numerous times that he has sex with men, although he's married to a woman. So he's penned an essay for The Advocate in which he basically says that even though he's bisexual, he's discriminated against by the LGBTQ community. He says, I want to feel like I'm part of the community. After all, B is the third letter listed in LGBTQI, but I just don't feel like I'm welcome. When men I have sex with find out that I'm married to a woman, they tell me things like it's just a phase and you'll be gay eventually. Um, And he goes on and on and on. I like Jason Ellis, and I think it's cool that he's so open about the fact that he fucks guys. (sighs) Listen, I know that it's true that bisexuals, especially bisexual men, are not really embraced by our community the Mm -hmm. way that they should be, and that they do have to straddle these two worlds. Embrace all the bisexuals. Not that way, JB. (laughs) Not just fetishized, but actually included and and sort of seen. You know, when was the last time you saw a bisexual male character in a TV or or movie? It almost never happens. No. Usually they're on their way to being gay. Right. At the same time, I'm kind of like, boo-hoo-hoo, Jason Ellis. Yeah. Well, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I I sort of, um, I actually am realizing that I am envious of bisexual people. I sort of wish that that was how I identified and that's how I I felt. I mean, that's part of why I'm, I'm interested in exploring um, the uh, vagine, because I just I've never it's never been a part of my experience. So how do I truly know that it's not something that I want? Russell Howard made a joke about bisexuals. He's like, "Oh, you feel bad? Well, why don't you go fuck anyone and be happy about it?" Like, <laughs> I don't. I can't feel bad for people who are kind of accepted and not and not put down. Like they're kind of like the the middle children of life. Mm. Like. You know, any male child, they don't get the attention that they deserve, but you mm-hmm. know that they're there. You know you love them, but mm-hmm. they're just the middle kid. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like Jason Ellis is a, is a person of privilege, right? He's yeah. a cisgender white guy. He's famous. He's wealthy. He's got his own radio show. He's married to a woman. I feel like um, it's great that he wants to be part of the community, and I welcome him. But um, part of being part of our community means being part of a struggle. Mm-hmm. And I don't really struggle. know that he struggles so much. But right. but but that's not for me to say. Jason Ellis, you're welcome to um, stick your dick down my throat anytime you want. 
and uh, JB's as well. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to skip this next story and go right to our guest segment because we're running behind. Our guest today has written the definitive book on one of the most classic game shows of all time, and certainly, as I said earlier, one of my favorites. The book is called Match Game 101, A Backstage History of Match Game. So joining us now, all the way from sunny Peoria, Illinois, is the author of the book, A. Ashley Hoff. Hit it, JB. Hello, hello. Ashley, we had some music for you. Here we go. Yes. Welcome, Ashley. Perfect. How are hello, things? Hello, hello. Thank you. How are things in Peoria? I, it, oh, it is just as exciting and wild as you would expect. I'm, I'm into, I live in L.A. the rest of the time, but yes. I'm in town visiting friends and family as well as drumming up some publicity for the book and doing some, you know, radio programs here, TV talk show, local talk show stuff, and uh, head up to Chicago tomorrow for a week before then heading back to L.A. around the 1st. You are a busy, busy girl. But I thank you for allowing me to make a pit stop here. No, I'm delighted to have you. What, well, I have to ask you first, what is the, what's with the A in A, Ashley Huff? Exactly. Um, I never particularly liked my first name. Nobody can ever spell it, so I just go with initial A, my actual middle name, Ashley, and Hoff. And frankly, it does look good on a book dust jacket it cover. It does. So, can I, can know, I guess it, what the A stands for? Eh, eh, eh. Is it Aloysius? <laughs> it's, it's not. People always think of the most atrocious names they could Aardvark. possibly come up with. No. Erythromycin. No, quite so okay. exciting. We'll move on. <laughs> Ashley, the book just came out, um, but yes. you have been working on this for well over a decade, true? Yes. Well, essentially, I wrote the book between, largely between 2002 and 2005. My then literary agent shopped it around, and it had a number of really close calls. But because there was not at that point a current running version of the show, uh, ultimately it didn't get picked up. And because, you know, St. Martin's Press has to worry about selling 50,000 copies instead of just 5,000, I totally get it. And so I put the book on the back burner. Uh, figured at some point, you know, I will work on it. The new version, uh, currently hosted by Alec Baldwin on ABC, uh, revived interest in the book. And so I updated and expanded it and got some additional photographs and proof sheets from Gene Rayburn's daughter. And uh, the book is better than it initially would have been. So it is now out and... Uh, you know, details the various incarnations of the show, obviously focusing on the classic 70s version, but also touching on some of the foreign versions in the UK and Australia, and, uh, and of course, the aforementioned Alec Baldwin version. Now, you really did an exhaustive amount of research on the history <laughs> of Match Game. I, I really, I thought this was going to be a, sort of a light, frothy romp, and it is a lot of fun, but it is in some ways, an encyclopedia of the show. Why, why, what made you so passionate about this particular game show? Well, I, I, the show itself is fun. I mean, Gene Rayburn himself was the first to say it's a rotten format as far as an actual game is concerned. And it was really livened up by the personalities of the people who appeared on the show, on the celebrity panel, and occasionally the contestants themselves. And Gene Rayburn, whose own background was rooted in 
uh, the morning talk show format of radio. He had lots of radio experience, and so he honed his improvisational skills. So he was a great and very effortless MC. He was able to go with just anything that happened. If the set fell apart or if somebody gave a, a funny answer or somebody you know, fell asleep on the set, he'd be able to turn that into a bit. And he just went with it because that's what you did in live radio and live TV. And when most people think of Match Game, as you mentioned, they think of the wacky 1970s version with the orange shag carpeting. Um, but, but that was not the original Match Game. T- tell the listeners, what, what was the show originally? No, well, originally the show premiered, the first version of the show premiered uh, New Year's Eve 1962, heading into 63, um, hosted by Gene Rayburn, and it was a much more staid affair, Where and it was a different format. Uh, rather than having a sick celebrity panel, you had a celebrity uh, captain of two teams, and then they had four contestants who would basically be, uh, again, trying to match answers with each other. It's just that uh, it was a, a much more staid, much more laid-back format than what we are used to. And, uh, you know, it ran for like eight years, seven and a half years, and it was very popular in its time. Um, but it didn't, it didn't have that campiness that uh, we identify no. with the 70s incarnation. No, no. I mean, by the time 73 rolled around, Goodson Todman Productions, who produced the show, moved from their New York offices to the West Coast, and a bunch of their shows were starting up Password, uh, a new version of The Price is Right, starring Bob Barker, which was just about to premiere. And then somebody got the bright idea to revive Match Game, but changed the format a little, tweak it a little bit. And about the third week of the show, uh, they got as guest panelists both Charles Nelson Riley and Brett Summers. And they just had instant chemistry, and they just had this snap about them that they kept getting asked back. Richard Dawson was already on the panel from the beginning. Um, But the three of them were the mainstays of the show for most of its run. And the audiences loved it because it was a TV show, it was a game show, but it was really less about the game than about the personalities involved. Right, you didn't give a shit whether the contestants won or lost. It was really just seeing the banter and the the interplay between the contestants. And as you mentioned, Brett, for me, anyway, as a child watching it, it was all about Brett Summers (laughs) and Charles Nelson Riley, who I didn't know from anything else other than Match Game. I didn't realize that they both had had, you know, pretty significant careers, especially Charles Nelson Riley. We have a clip of uh, one of the classic fights between Brett and Charles. Take a listen to this. Would you please tell Charles Nelson Riley that if he wants to bring large glasses of water with large chunks of ice in them, not to kick them over and terrify me. On I have my whole foot is covered with ice. Upper tier. It was over here and I tipped it over and it got over. Stop that now, children. You must quiet down. No, she said my hat looked cheap. No. And you know what I said to her? Anyone that would wear those rubies shouldn't throw that word around. <laughs> I mean, it was really a lot of shade throwing. Oh, it was. It was. I asked Brett at one point, did anybody ever mistake you and Charles for being married? And she said, oh, yes. Always during one of the commercial breaks, some you know somebody in the audience would stand up and say, Mr. Rayburn, are Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley married? 
And I had joked with her that she and Charles should co-star in a bus and truck revival of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Because oh my God. I would pay Absolutely. good money to see that. Now, Brett, Brett was, in fact, married to Jack Klugman, uh, which is how yes. she got on the show. You write about how they really wanted Klugman. And he basically said, I think he did like the pilot or something and said, if you want me, you have to take my wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first year of The Odd Couple, which, of course, uh, he was cast on, was shot in New York. And then they brought the production back out to the West Coast because it was cheaper and probably easier. Um, and so Jack had said to Brett one day, you know, OK, so I'm booked on this series. We're about to move. What do you want to do? And she just said, you know, I just want to sit around and, <laughs> you know, act like we are in the living room, have a couple of drinks and sit around and tell stories. And he just looked at her and said, well, good luck with that, dear. And he got booked on the first episode of Match Game. And they wanted him back for more. He, Jack didn't really care for the show. He thought it was not cerebral enough. He preferred things like Password and things where you actually used your brain as opposed to, you know, wit and cleverness. And he basically said, you know, I'll, I'll do another, you know, round of episodes, but you got to get my wife in on this because she's driving me crazy. So they had Brett on uh, the same week that they had, the same week's worth of episodes that they had Charles Nelson Riley, And just from the beginning, those two clicked. Instant chemistry. And they, instant chemistry and of course you know they were the mainstays of the show you have a long interview in the book with brett summers which to me is my, it's my favorite part of the book she sounds like she was a lot of fun to interview and she explains to you the science behind which celebrity sat in which seat uh, i never realized this especially the importance of the last seat on the lower right can you explain that well, the, well, there's a little bit of discrepancy because Patty Deutsch, who often sat in that sixth seat, always referred to it as the dummy seat. But the dummy seat was actually on the other side of Richard. Yes. And that's the seat where they would put the ingenues, mm -hmm. you know, the dumb blondes, quote unquote, who could not necessarily be relied upon to give a clever answer. So they were parked right there and, of course, next to uh, between Gene and Richard so that, you know, there was a little bit of bantering that was, you know, possible between them. Um, but the, the last, last seat, which I think of as the Fanny Flagg seat. Yeah, Fanny Flagg, uh, Patty Deutsch, sometimes Joyce Bulafont and sometimes uh, Betty White. Betty White. That was the seat where you really had to be clever because all the funny answers had already been given. Enough people had either matched or not that you knew, you know, the contestants either, you know, sunk or not. Um, so you just had to have somebody who was bright and clever and good with improvisation who was parked in that particular it's seat. It's really like being the last comedian at a roast. It really is. You have it to really think is. on your feet. You really have to be in top shape uh, or, like Patty Deutsch, just be quirky enough that it just sprang out naturally. Actually, we just have a couple minutes left to interview you. We're yeah. going to play everyone's favorite game show on, on this podcast, which is called Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. What's the best game show of all time aside from Match Game? I think Hollywood Squares. Me the too. original host Absolutely. by Peter Marshall. Fill in the blank. Dumb Dora is so dumb. I'm waiting for you to say, how dumb is she? How dumb is she? Dumb Dora is so dumb, instead of putting her husband's butt plug in his butt, she put it in his blank. 
with his mouth because we all know he was a big asshole. <laughs> uh, give us an anagram for A. Ashley Hoff. Oh, that would involve math. Um, I'm probably not clever enough for that. I, I'll, I'll just. I have three for you. Uh, A. Ashley Hoff rearranged spells layoff has he. Half so, half sofa hey, and flashy oaf he. Oh, I like that one. I also came up oh. with anagrams for my staff. Ryan Frostigs include rafting Rosie and farting Rosie. Oh, I love those. And JB's is racy job nerd. That's dope. Racy job nerd. Jordan Bursey, racy <laughs> job nerd. Uh, mine is a DNA mask. Uh, <laughs> Ashley, if you had to fuck one match game panelist, who would it be? Oh, well, obviously, you know, it's going to be Brett, because even if we don't have great sex, she's going to have a full bar at the ready. And we can just simply, you know, instead of retiring to the bedroom, just simply retire to the bar and sit around and have cocktails and chat. Perfect answer. Hey, Ashley Hoff, you are a delight. The book is called Match Game 101, A Backstage History of Match Game. It is available <laughs> wherever books are sold, on the interwebs and in stores and, and basically everywhere. How can people follow you on the Internet? Well, there is a Facebook page devoted to Match Game 101, A Backstage History of Match Game. And I personally am on Facebook under Ashley Hoff, because for some reason Facebook doesn't allow initials because it might be a commie plot or something. How ridiculous. Yeah. Well, Maybe I'm a drag queen. I don't know. It could be. Well, A. Ashley Hoff, thank you for coming on. <laughs> Congratulations on the book. For those of you listening, if you receive gift cards for the holidays and you don't know how to use them, this is a great gift to buy yourself or anyone else. Anyone my age or older just is obsessed with this show and uh, would love to look at this book, and there's great pictures as well. Thank you, thank you, guys. I am so thrilled to be talking to you. Happy holidays, Ashley. Happy 2020. Happy holidays. Bye, honey. Okay, you too. Bye. Fun, right? What a treasure. Right? So cute. Fun guest. Yeah. See, that's a good phone. That's a guest. good phoner. To all future guests, when you're on the phone, that's how you want to be. Lively, quick. He was on back the and money. Forth. That, he gets an A+. Plus. Thank you, Ashley. Um, okay, we're going to go back to some news now because we still have about 15 minutes left in the show. I wonder what will happen in the next 15 minutes. This is one of these donut shows where we put the guest in the middle. Mm, I love a donut. Yeah, I know you do. Mm, I so, just want a donut. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you a know strawberry what? donut, please. JP's just like a giant id. Yeah. It's like, feed me, give me <laughs> sex, please. give me cock, give me donuts. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, all right, we're going to talk about Billy D. Williams now. Billy D. Williams, if you were a Star Wars fan, you would know who that is, Ryan. He no. was Lando Calrissian in the uh, original Return of the Jedi movie. He was the first uh, black Star Wars star, uh, star of the movie. Oh, wow. It was a big deal, and he was cool. really hot back in the 70s. Mm. He was a sex symbol for both uh, straight women and gay men. Anyway, Billy D. Williams made headlines a little earlier this month where he gave an interview where he said he uses male and female pronouns and identifies as gender non-binary. He told Esquire, quote, I say himself and herself because I also see myself as feminine as well as masculine. I've never tried to be anything except myself. Now, he's 82 years old and has been in the public eye for decades, so this made huge news around the world. Billy D. Williams is non-binary. Billy D. Williams right. is gender oh, yes. fluid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, then Billy D. Williams <laughs> told Esquire, uh, excuse me, uh, came out, and dispelled the notion that he'd come out as gender fluid. He went back in 
to the gender fluid closet, uh, telling a website what I was talking about was about men getting in touch with their softer side of themselves. Quote, there's a this is a lot of bullshit. There's a phrase that was coined by Carl Jung, who was a psychiatrist, a contemporary of Freud, and they had a split. Oh, Jesus Christ. Collective unconscious is a, anima animus is a female counterpart <laughs> wow. of the male self. So that's what I was referring to. Great. I was talking about men getting in touch with the female side of themselves. I wasn't talking about sex. I wasn't talking about being gay or straight. People should read Carl Jung. It would be an interesting education for a lot of people. He then said, no, 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 I'm not gay by any stretch of the imagination. No one said you were, bitch. Yeah. Not that I have anything against gay people, but personally, not gay. Great. Thanks. Thanks. He's reprising his role of Lando Calrissian in the new Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. That's what all of this is about. Mm -hmm. As we have said time and time again on this show, whenever you're promoting a movie mm -hmm. or an album mm -hmm. or what the fuck ever, a all play, yep. suddenly... You're not the stunts, the shenanigans. You've played with bisexuality. Yeah. You're open to it. It's yeah. just, uh -huh. when are we going to learn? Never. And also, don't confuse gender identity with sexual orientation. I know you're 82, but come on, Billy D. <laughs> Billy D needs some D. Also, look at Billy D's outfit. I think that there may be some non binary uh, things going that on. That looks like something you would wear. That is offensive. Because you love red. I would never You're wearing wear. wearing red. Excuse me. That ruffled muff around his neck that's says a, Ryan Frostig that's a, to that's me. That's a pussy, pussy bow. That is a giant oh. pussy bow around his neck that I would never wear, so fuck you very much. Okay. On to more serious news. Oh, boy. Once again, we're all over the place. This came out, uh, God, a month ago, maybe. Anywho, huge news. Scientists huge. say they're optimistic. Big, huge, huge. Scientists say they're optimistic about an HIV vaccine, possibly even as soon as 2021. Ooh. Two of the world's leading HIV experts have suggested that we're moving closer to a usable HIV vaccine. There are currently three vaccines undergoing human trials. Um, Dr. Susan Buckbinder is director of the Bridge a HIV Research Program in San Francisco. Uh, she told NBC News that... Um, the, the studies are really promising, and she calls this perhaps one of the most optimistic moments we've ever been in. I'm trying to find out from this article if this vaccine would just be preventative or if it would actually, like, cure the virus. Yeah. Because that's what – I mean, I want both. I want people who are negative to stay negative, and I want pause people like myself to, to not be pause anymore. Yeah. That would be nice. I doubt it. There's more money in um... – not carrying the not carrying infection, but no, it's true. It, that it? the way the pharmaceutical industry is set up. You're right; they make a lot more money when they don't cure things. Mm -hmm. so, um, on the other hand, that there's a cure in the works, but not not for like another fifty years. Yeah, it's been a long time since they've actually cured anything, but it's still very good news. And we can't yes. even cure the common cold. Like that is true. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Although it's interesting, research on HIV is helpful for research on the cold and vice versa. They're both like persistent, tenacious viruses, mm -hmm. and they work in many of the same ways, <clears throat> as I'm like yeah, blowing my sniffle. nose. Meanwhile, great news for Ryan Frostig. Scientists say they've discovered a new weapon in the fight against gonorrhea. Oh, thank God. This is interesting. They found that a, a, a drug that they now – or a vaccine that they now use to prevent meningitis – could, could also prevent gonorrhea. Mm -hmm. 
Gonorrhea is a global public health concern, uh, and they're seeing an increase in antibiotic-resistant gonorrhea, especially Super as everyone's gonorrhea. barebacking. Yeah. Um, but uh, a new study among gay and bisexual men will determine if whether those who had the meningitis B vaccine have a lower incidence of gonorrhea infection. It's interesting when they find out that, that a treatment for one thing becomes uh, effective against other things. For example, uh, the HPV vaccine. Mm -hmm. They used to think that you could only take the HPV vaccine. It would only be effective if you had never had sex and didn't have HPV already. Now they're saying even if, you've ha if you have HPV, you've had anal warts or vaginal mm -hmm. warts, but you now take three of, of the vaccine injections, it may be preventative for the rest of your life. And that's, that's huge that's, because yeah. HPV can lead to cancer. Right. I know this because uh, I had the HPV vaccine oh, okay. after I already, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it is interesting that like, we now live in a world where um, there, there is like, HIV is um, manageable. You know, is manageable. And now yeah. there's like a new, because now everyone's on prep. So it, Everyone's barebacking, et cetera, et cetera. And now we've created this super gonorrhea that has become like impossible to. Uh, I just hit the butt fucking sound effect, but I think my board is off. So you'll have to imagine. Like, us, it. like the horrors of our um, community have uh, created a new uh, super disease. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to keep happening. Yeah, we'll find new ways to. <clears throat> Meanwhile, here's a. <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> I've been talking a lot for the last two hours. Yes. Here's a RuPaul story that is not part of our RuPaul Drag Race update. Oh. RuPaul says that monogamy is a hoax. I think... Chante, you stay. In an interview with Vanity Fair, he opened up about his open marriage. Um, he said, uh, we didn't really decide to have an open marriage. The hoax is that monogamy is something that can actually happen. Um, he... He says, I, I wouldn't want to put restraints on the person that I love most on this planet. Listen, if you got something that you cannot resist and that is going to make you happy, go for it. Because the truth is, I know in my heart of hearts, like I've ever known anything before, that that man loves me more than anything else in the world. RuPaul has been married uh, for a long time to... Uh, RuPaul has been married for a long time to George Labar. And I think he's absolutely right. I think he's absolutely right, too. And I have learned that firsthand this year. Not just firsthand. Mm. First dick, but, first ass. But, but really, though, because, I mean, <laughs> I think for, um, for a while, I was afraid to be in an open relationship because I had trust issues. And I didn't think that it was possible for um, my partner to be with other people and still fully love me. But... Um, you know, the relationship that I have with Boy Wolf is very trusting and like I just know that we can we can have our freedom and don't and not have those restraints on each other and come back and be completely in sync and um what we have is just I don't know. It's just I get it. I get it now. I, I didn't understand it before, but I, I I wish that all couples would um it's not for everyone, but at least like talk about it, explore the idea of it. Of a non-monogamous relationship. I think it's to each his own. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, I know personally it won't work for me because I am super insecure about who I am. Yeah. And I, I guess what I'm looking for a partner is a security. So I, I would feel, it made me feel uncomfortable that I cannot give you everything you need 
and you have to go looking for someone. You gotta go look for to stuff. You gotta go looking into it for someone else, even if it's just sex. I agree. I think I think it's very personal. I think every couple has to decide for themselves. I, to me, the ideal is monogamy. Mm-hmm. Very few of us ever reach our ideals. Right. And I would rather be in an honest relationship. Yes. That was open than a lying one that was supposed to be monogamous but really isn't. I feel like deceit and secrets yes. are, are more damaging than anything else to a relationship. And I think those are more likely but to the, come. But on the other hand, Rye, and, and this is not, I would not put you and Boy Wolf in this category at all. There are a lot of open gay couples that I've observed, and I've been in this kind of couple too, where you're, they're always out on the prowl. They're mm-hmm. always looking for a third. They're always looking for an orgy. They're always... It, it, it becomes sex becomes everything, yeah, and you lose the intimacy you have with each other, right? So, I think if you are open, there should at least be an attempt to keep that intimate sexual connection with one, with each other so that if there isn't a third person in the room or you're not off doing your own thing, you can still have great sex together, and well, that's hard, that's hard to do long term, but it's also like that that thing of there's a difference between great sex and intimacy, mm hmm. And so into me see. Mm-hmm. Okay, last thing. Uh, this may or may not be the last story. So we have talked before on this show about ASMR videos. Right. These are these creepy videos. We've that, taken part in ASMR. I, well, I tried to make one, oh, and yeah. it has gone nowhere. But this is one of the most popular things on YouTube are these creepy videos where people whisper and run their fingers through certain things that create this like sound, like a white noise or... A hairbrush or whatever or, or bubbles popping there's this thing on netflix called astronomy club and they have an episode where they did uh and they say harm uh award-winning ceremony and it was the weirdest thing it weirds me out uh-huh. it stands for autonomous sensory meridian response anyway now gay guys are getting into the act of course of course and so i found this queen on youtube this actually came from queerty tyson hamblin aka tyson asm ASMR. He has dropped out of college because that's how much money he's making from his fucking ASMR videos. In less than two years, he's accumulated over 30,000 subscribers. And I just want you to hear this. And I'm telling you guys, this was a 25 minute long video that I watched. It was so fucking boring. I found the most interesting 30 seconds. Here you go. Sister sleepover. Okay. First of all, are you hungry? Because that is always the number one priority in my house. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So these are. I can't even listen to it anymore. Okay. This dude has hundreds of thousands of hits. Oh my god. You, I don't understand the internet. You know what? He's really not even attractive. Me? He's a basic-looking bitch. It's the like, and I, it, yeah, the clicking and the, all the like, it's fluid kind of. I do not understand why that man makes his money from doing shit like that online, and As I cannot make money producer, from this podcast. I disregard any ASR. It bothers my ears. Disgusting. Yeah. I want to thank both of you. Plug yourselves, please. Uh, you can follow me at, at Ryan Frosting. On uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. JB? At Stocking Anarchy on Instagram only. I love you both, and I'm so grateful to you, you to have you here all year, and every year has been wonderful. Yes. A. Ashley Hoff, thank you for being on the show. The Ass will be back next week. 
in 2020 with our best of 2019 episode and all your favorite highlights from the past year. Don't forget to download Adam Sank's last comedy album. Have a great week and Happy New Year! Happy New Happy Year! New Year.